Thanks for subscribing to the ZonCon podcast, the podcast all about Amazon conversations. These are the tips and tricks to become an Amazon millionaire. Here is your host, Andrew Erickson. He is all things Amazon, and so is this podcast. Let's have an Amazon conversation. All right, guys, this is the second part in the series of exiting your business. This is something that I'm very, very excited about. This happened to us. This episode coming up is how to exit. We reveal how we went about finding a buyer and the pros and cons and the things that we kind of like deliberated and we went back and forth with. And we figured out how we went about doing it. So I'm not going to ruin what happened. So go ahead and listen to the podcast. Remember, this is a second part in a series of episodes about exiting. Hey guys, Andrew Erickson here. We are back in our series on exiting your private label business. The last episode, we talked about why. Why would you consider selling your business? And this episode, we're going to talk about how. How do you find buyers and how do you go through the whole exit process? And I'm joined again by my longtime business partner, Mike Ye. Hey guys, glad to be back again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I'm glad that you're here with us. If you guys want to hear more with Mike, the last episode on on why exiting, you can make sure to listen to that one. But also, Mike had a full episode with us on episode 46, how to organize a million dollar team. So uh, you can listen to that if you want to learn more. But now we're going to talk about how. Okay, so you've now have been convinced you listened to the last episode and the why to sell a business. You're like, yep, okay, I'm ready. Let's do it. This is the how. So let's say most most of the people in our audience are uh, six figure and seven figure Amazon sellers. Okay, so so and most of them are uh, you know solo or or small team kind of people, right? And so now you're let's say you're going to market and you have this business that's making a hundred thousand dollars profit per year. Mike, how would someone go about trying to get some stranger to buy that from them? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll say, uh, you know, us being brand new to, to the prospect of exiting, we, we did have a little help in the sense that we we didn't do it alone, you know, without speaking with brokers at a minimum. You know, I think once you're a little more experienced in this realm and you start networking and making connections, it's certainly feasible to do this outside of the brokerage world and maybe save yourself a bit on the commission. But I would say we definitely uh, heavily leaned on just talking to different brokerages. I mean, that's that's kind of how we we dived into this whole thing. I think we started talking about really, you know, selling towards end of last year, right? And I know that you had a goal of getting a LOI, letter of intent, in first quarter of this year. And I, I remember thinking to myself, man, that's that's ambitious. Like and at the time I didn't I didn't know a thing about I thought it was I thought I mean you know me, I'm, I'm very uh, conservative. I like to take my time with things. I, I, I move very slowly in general, but very meticulously. And so the thought of basically going through this whole process within a couple months, I thought was terrifying. But, you know, we, we ended up basically just setting up a lot of calls with different brokerages and uh, potential buyers. And I think, you know, through those discussions, it was not only a discussion about selling the business, but it was really almost like a training session. I mean, there was a lot of educational aspect of those calls where I feel like both you and I learned a ton about the process of selling the business. So I would say personally, you know, if, if it's your first go around your first rodeo with this, I think that a brokerage is probably the safest way to go about it because you, you do get the you know necessary guidance that you need if you're brand new to this stuff. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And, and to touch back on that thing about planning for this exit, this is definitely something that we've been talking about for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike, so it's the end of Q1 2020 right now, and we had been working on this exit and kind of like planning, like soft planning at least, but at least considering it since the beginning of 2020. Yeah, we've been soft planning it since the beginning of 2020. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of the things that we did to get ready for this exit? Sure. I think you've said it's currently the beginning of or end of Q1 2020. Uh, I think what you meant is 2021, right? Yes. Currently. Okay. All right. Just making sure we're on the same page there. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, yeah. So we've been talking about um, exiting for for a while now, but haven't really uh, done anything actionable on it until the past few months. But um, over, just over the course of the past year, I'd say that we kind of started looking at the business more from a from an exit perspective in that we started kind of picking through it, analyzing it and assessing it from that exit perspective, looking for areas that we could optimize that we kind of knew in the back of our minds that there were, you know, little pockets here and there that could use a little extra work, but we actually started doing something about it. And the other thing I'd mention is that, you know, without an incredible accounting and bookkeeping team, I, I think we would have struggled much more with this whole process having had our books all perfectly in, you know, in order leading up to this process has really helped a lot. And so we can, you know, we can thank our accounting and bookkeeping team for that. We let them know well in advance that this was on our minds and that, you know, we had a target of an exit in early 2021. And so they were able to basically assist in, you know, pulling out information as we needed it, specifically because we we kind of went down this route of where we started the new business and we were more or less operating it under the same corporate structure as the the structure that holds the brands that we're trying to sell. And so, you know, once we started those exit discussions, you know, we, we had those conversations with our bookkeeping team and ultimately decided that we were going to split that stuff all apart. That definitely was not something that happened overnight. That took, took quite a bit of extra work on their part, but they were, you know, more than happy and willing to support us on that front. So uh, very appreciative of that. But other than that, though, I, I feel like for the most part, we just continued running the business how we normally would. And, uh, you know, that's something that the brokers have advised us to do is just, you know, all the way leading up till the day you actually close, just keep on running the business the way you're supposed to because, or that you would have otherwise if you weren't going to sell. And I I think that's important to note simply because, I mean, you know, people want to buy these businesses because you've been running them successfully. They don't want you to suddenly change things, you know, at, at the last minute, right before the sale. So while you can do things to prep to make the sale part easier, I think, uh, for the most part, you know, once you, as long as you have your books in order, just keep on doing what you're doing. What, what do you think? Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, and, and just to give you guys a reference back to our accounting team, it's a junglebooks.net. And uh, if you want to hear more from our accountant, he actually came on episode 45 and episode 49. Uh, so the uh, Chakra Yendapali is, is, is the name of our, the head accountant there. And, and then junglebooks.net is, is the company there. But uh, yeah, that, that was the thing is that we talked to him a lot about like, well, what does this look like? How should we do our books differently? And we want to keep everything extremely transparent and very open. And so when the buyer comes in, they, they have this clean, good set of books that they can really trust. And we tried to like not hide anything and, and really, really, it's all beautifully laid out in this like beautiful little plate and they can come over and it's very appetizing for them to pick up. One thing we did do though, is try to cut our expenses pretty dramatically. Not dramatically, but but like try to really take out these little tiny things, cut them out. There's this thing called the 5X rule. Okay, if you're, if you're taking notes at home, the 5X rule. The 5X rule 
is every dollar you save, you're actually saving five. Why? Well, you save it on the first time, right? The first dollar you save, you saved it. So you saved at least a 1x, right? But you also get a 4x multiple on that $1 savings, right? So you get four more dollars on top of that first one. So for example, that software that you use, that you signed up for, that's 30 bucks a month that you don't really use, but it's kind of there and you kind of want to keep it, but eh, eh, man, it might be okay to keep. I don't know, whatever, right? For me, honestly, we had so many of those softwares. We were like over $1,000 a month in, in software as services, which I don't know, maybe it's a lot, maybe a little bit. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> felt like kind of a lot. <laughs> and so if you go in and, and I know this sounds kind of dumb, but like cutting those cutting that software out it takes a long time to do that and i'm kind of like that's eh, 20 bucks i don't really want to spend an hour like yeah. saving 20 bucks you know but do that math 20 dollars times 12 months that's 240 dollars times five is over a thousand dollars right it's five wow what is that a lot a thousand oh, yeah 1300 or something. I don't know, whatever. Someone with the calculator can figure it out. <laughs> but $1,200, dollars for canceling one $20 service. So it went through and once I felt that, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not saving $20. Yeah. I'm saving $1,000. Now all of a sudden, <laughs> like I get excited about like cutting these, like, you know, cutting those 12 services out. And then hopefully that added something to our bottom line when we, when we go to exit. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I just thought of one other thing that we did for prep. And this was uh, largely driven by you is uh, speaking to people that have sold their businesses before. I thought that that was tremendously helpful, getting that insight from people that have been through you know this process and could share their own personal experiences, what to expect, any gotchas and pitfalls to be wary of, and just you know starting to get educated in this process before even talking to the first broker, just so that you know, I, I believe that these brokers have the best intentions, but, you know, it, it's always good to do your own due diligence and, you know, at least have some semblance of knowledge in, in the processes before you, you go straight to a broker and just start, you know, talking about listing with them. So I think that's another little uh, piece of advice that I could share. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I love going to events. And I love masterminds and stuff because you talk to other people who've gone through these things and they've made mistakes. As many of you guys know, I am one of the coaches inside the Titan Network. And we talk about exiting all the time in there. And in fact, actually, we we got a few friends inside of there who gave us, or I guess people inside the network who have sold businesses who then connected us to private buyers who were looking to do an off-market sale, which we'll get to here in a second. But yeah, if you are interested in that, there is a link in the show notes to look into the Titan Network if you want more people around you to discuss these things with. So let's go. Actually, that's a good segue. Let's go ahead and jump into it. And let's let's discuss a little bit about these uh, private buyers that we got connected to. So they were just uh, basically friends of friends. They were uh, I told the universe, I told the mastermind, told the groups of people I know that I'm looking to sell. And they said, hmm, let me connect you with some people who are looking to buy. And so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit, Mike, about those private buyers that we talked to? Yeah, sure. So I, I know that you kind of initiated that whole side of things. And, you know, you, you pinged me and you're like, hey, Mike, what do you think about talking to private buyers? And, you know, I'll, I'll admit I was a little uh, wary because being our first exit, you know, I kind of wanted a bit of that handholding from the brokers, but figured it couldn't hurt. It's not like we were committing to actually, you know, selling necessarily. And I think you you mentioned that it would be a good, you know, way of at least practicing and almost like a practice interview, if you will. Although we did, you know, legitimately consider selling to the private buyers if, if the offer looked good. So 
I thought that the the discussions with the private buyers were very representative of what we'll see in terms of discussions with buyers through the brokers. I mean, these these buyers, these private buyers that we're talking about, um, from our understanding, they are notified when the brokers list a new business. So they are just like all the other buyers that are in the pool of you know who the brokers advertise to. And so we, I feel like we got a little bit of a glimpse into the future by talking to them. And they were, it was, they were great discussions. I think they jogged our, you know, our minds on a lot of things that we needed to consider. And they, you know, dug through all of our books. And uh, quite frankly, I was impressed by how quickly they were able to churn through all the data. And um, I mean, that was a quick turnaround. They just said, you know, do you mind linking up your uh, Seller Central account to a basically a third-party read-only um, access through API to pull down your data? So we did that, and then within a couple of days, they had gone through, you know. I think they basically understood our business as almost as well as we did over the course of a couple of days, which to me was mind boggling. And then to be able to offer what I thought was, you know, a pretty competitive offer from them to be able to back that up with an offer of, you know, the magnitude that they did really says something. And, and so, you know, I, I thought it was a great experience. Ultimately uh, we decided it wasn't, wasn't the best route for us, but I would, I would absolutely consider private buyers in the future. And I think just for this particular sale, it wasn't, wasn't a great fit and you know defaulting back to the fact that this is our first sale and we kind of want to make sure that there is someone to some degree you know looking after us which would be the brokers in this case but yeah i I would advise you know talking to as many private buyers as you have time or energy for yeah and i I completely agree that uh it was a really good experience and it uh it was a good offer and i was i was like oh these people have money (laughs) and they wrote us (laughs) They gave us a legitimate offer with like, you know, a bank account to, to uh, support it. And I was like, this is real. Okay. But ultimately, I think we had a little, we had a little mini celebration on that. We were like, <laughs> like, hey, this is the first time that we officially have someone saying, hey, I'll give you money for your business. Like, that was exciting. I, I know that we had a little like, you know, a little song and dance between the two of us, like, you know distanced and remote from each other but uh i don't know it, it, <laughs> nah, it, it, it yeah. made it made my night it made my weekend knowing that our business had some you know some dollar value assigned to it and that it was a, a decent chunk of change so sorry. yeah sorry i remember that actually <laughs> that's a good story i remember that we were so the the offer came in on friday mm-hmm. and you and i i think i was going to a friend's house it was outside uh we're still during quarantine so it's outside uh with with a small group of people okay but it was uh, going to a friend's house the offer came in and we were discussing it and we're like well it's not technically at market price but the offset with the broker blah 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 and, I, and both you and i were like well you know what like you were i think you were gonna go tuck your kids into bed or something or make dinner <laughs> for your kids and and i was i had just gotten to my friend's house and i was like you know what mike let's instead of analyzing this deal let's just except you know it's friday night let's accept we got an offer it's super cool someone likes us enough that they would consider getting us money for something (laughs) (laughs) let's just celebrate and we'll we'll, we'll do a a virtual toast so yeah and then then on monday we went through and kind of analyzed the deal and stuff so yeah it was kind of fun yeah so we uh really the private offer was a little bit under what we've been told at least is market value. So uh, um, uh, brokers do take roughly 10% of the sale, which can be, it's a big chunk. I mean, it's five figure, six figure chunk that they're taking. Right. And so, uh, you know, that there is that advantage that you don't have to pay that brokerage fee. 
But ultimately, we kind of thought that the brokers, we thought that they could actually make more than their fee would cost. And the big thing, too, is we've never done this before. And I kind of don't want to uh, play this game, this negotiation game with people who have done this before a lot of times when I've never done it. So if I was a real estate agent and I was looking to sell my home, I would consider selling my home because I'm a real estate agent who has sold many homes, right? But if I, this is my first home that I've ever bought, or I made my first one I'm ever selling, I guess. I mean, I built it by my, you know, built this house with my own hands and I'm looking to sell it. I've never sold a house before. I really need someone to kind of like sit here and hold my hand and make sure I'm doing it right. Will I get a higher return? Probably. But ultimately, it's kind of like a emotional, you know, per, like self, I just feel more comfortable having someone there to make sure I'm not really screwing this thing up. Yeah. And and I, the other thing is, I think that, you know, we discussed the fact that because the private buyer offer was on slightly on the lower side of things, like even if you went to a brokerage and you deducted the commission from that sale, you know, even if you end up at that same amount that the private buyers were offering, at least you had the opportunity to have had your business seen by many other potential buyers. And and so the, the, the worst that could happen with going with the brokers is that you basically, or at least what we think would happen is that we would basically end up with some, somewhere around, you know, in the ballpark of what the private buyers are offering. Anyway, the upside of it is potentially with that much larger pool of buyers out there, you can end up with, you know, a much higher offer. So it, I think had the private buyers offer been higher, it would have been, you know, we would, we would have much more strongly considered it, but it was just at that kind of cutoff threshold where it really didn't make sense to just go straight with them without uh, opening it up to a bigger pool of buyers. Yeah. And and it probably wasn't a perfect fit. That's why the, the valuation was a little bit below market. Um, Cause I know they mentioned they like air shipping things. They like things that can sell well on social media, which makes sense. I mean, that's, that's a, you know, that's a definitely a good strategy to sell, tiny little things <laughs> that you can like, you know, do kind of a, kind of a click, stop the scroll, click uh, impulse buy, click on social media. That's a great strategy. Our products do not fit that though. Unfortunately, I wish they did. I, I've tried. <laughs> I don't, the stop the scroll and impulse buy doesn't work very well. Plus we have to see ship everything because our stuff's just bulky enough. It just, it just wasn't a great fit. So ultimately we thought we'd go with the brokers. So now Mike, let's jump into evaluating every broker. Let's do it. We'll, we'll, yeah. So we talked to a lot of people and we're going to give rough numbers and we're going to give some small insight. That being said, this is just two dudes evaluations of these businesses. There's every person we talked to was really legit. I was very impressed with every broker, every buyer. Everyone's very professional. Everyone has their, most of them have their own little niche that they're in. You know, they, this company services this one well, this one services that one well. And so if we say anything disparaging, it's, it's only, it's not, not really disparaging. It's just that this is our interpretation of it. And also these numbers that we were quoted, these things change very quickly. In fact, we, we even started uh, talking to people kind of the end of Q3, beginning of Q4 of 2020. And in that time, that six months that we've talked to them, we uh, their numbers have changed just because the markets change that quickly. So don't quote us too much on these. We just want to give rough numbers so you can kind of get an idea of what kind of stuff you would be looking at if you are looking to list with a broker soon. So why don't you take it away, Mike? Well, I, I think we should. Uh, so we, we talked to a couple traditional brokers in the sense that 
they're, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it any other way. They list your business and then they sell it. We also talked to, uh, I'm not sure what, well, what would Thrasio fall under? They're, they're not, they're buying the business, right? What, they're what they're a large aggregator. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So we talked to them as an aggregator. And then we also talked to uh, folks that were pursuing um, an agglomerate model. So I, I guess I'm looking at, you know, our, our list of things that or folks that we talked to here. Does it make sense to start in the order that we talked to them, which I believe would be we started with the agglomerate model, right? Why don't we go? Yeah, you know what? Let's let's go yeah. roughly in order of our not like least favorite to most favorite. So I, in the list I have here, maybe we can kind of go reverse order. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And so I was, you know, the agglomerate model, I, I think that was, you know, largely uh, your driving of, of that effort. So, you know, maybe maybe you want to take that one and, and speak a little bit more to that. Sure. Yeah. So agglomerate, you know, agglomerate could could have its own podcast for sure. Like I have its own podcast series about how it works. So it's this interesting idea. There is this book called Agglomerate, not conglomerate with a C. It's agglomerate with an A at the beginning, an A-G agglomerate. And it's this idea that you can take multiple businesses and you just mush them together and you basically, instead of having a conglomerate that buys up these companies and then puts them underneath an umbrella company, it's like, it's almost like a, instead of having like a king, you have like a sort of a council of, of business owners. And uh, let's say, for example, you have five brands come together each one's doing five million a year in revenue and doing a million, a million in EBITDA, which is a fancy word of just saying profit. EBITDA is just a fancy word for profit. Uh, in fact, actually, Mike, look, I have my, I have my, <laughs> yes, <laughs> for, for for the audio guys, I have an EBITDA coffee mug that Mike got me for Christmas. Was it Christmas or something? I don't know. And yeah. what does it say on it? Well, it's EBITDA, but it's got a C on the end of it. So I, I don't know how to pronounce that. Is that EBITDAC, I guess? EBITDAC, I guess, yeah. Yeah. But so EBITDA normally stands for, let me see if I get this right, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and oh, amortization. Okay. Amortization. Amortization, okay. yeah. And given the you know current circumstances <laughs> that the world is in, I wanted to get you something that I thought was clever and like this just this just popped out to me. The C in this, I know this isn't really a joking matter, but it's it's it stands for coronavirus because I mean I, I think basically every business out there this past year was impacted by by coronavirus to some degree, right? Whether positive or negatively. And yeah, it is a very serious situation. We don't mean to, you know, poke fun at it, but I wanted, you know, to bring some some humor into, you know, what would otherwise be a very dark and uh, kind of a, a gloomy period in in our lives, especially with uh with our business as well. We did see a lot of very very rough impacts that we had to deal with in terms of logistics, and it did, you know, bump our expenses up by quite a bit, and so. How do we get on this topic? But basically that that mug was, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll hold on to that and that a few years from now, we'll be able to look back on it and remember and, and you know, basically joke about like, hey, remember when we had that one year where where trying to ship things took three times as long and five times as expensive and, and you know, it felt like our whole world was falling apart. But hey, you know what, we, we survived it and we came out the other end. And not only that, we ended up selling the business. That's really where that came from. So, 
Yeah. So 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 the coffee mug says Eva Dak instead of Eva Ta, right? And so it's a <laughs> earnings after everything and coronavirus. So it's it's a funny little joke. So but where were we? We we lost track here, and that was a big tangent. Uh, agglomerate model. So <laughs> it's earnings. Your EBITDA, which is a fancy word for profit. Your uh, you take a few business owners and you basically partner together. Put all of your PLs together. So let's say each one's doing five million revenue, one million dollar EBITDA or profit. Then you take those five, you would then combine them together on twenty-five million dollars revenue and five million dollar profit company. And then a business that size can can actually IPO or, or do like a stock exchange thing. And you can get a much higher multiple if you do that kind of deal, right? And so that kind of deal, if you can manage it. It's very tricky. It's very complicated, and it's very uh, there's a lot of moving parts to it. You can see a five or ten x multiple on your profit. So that's really the highest profit you could possibly get that I've ever seen in the market is that ten x there. And so uh, that's a that's an interesting idea. It just didn't fit us very well. <laughs> I just I don't quite understand the model perfectly, and also it doesn't give you quick cash. We're not looking for quick cash necessarily, but the idea is that you would keep running the company for a long time. There's not really a clear way to exit from that soft, that weird exit. It's like an IPO exit. There's not really a way to like pull out of that. So that was kind of like an idea that we we entertained, but didn't we did not really pursue too far. Yeah, I think it had a bit of a longer runway than we were really looking for because we I think as we mentioned in the in the last discussion on why exit where we're really looking to free up some time. And so the thought of just continuing to run the business, it didn't really fit our, uh, our goals too well there. But I mean, it, it sounds like a great opportunity for you know someone that might be interested in uh, going down that path. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to, I'll have to bring on my friend who's all about this agglomerate model and he can explain it better than I can. <laughs> yeah. So the next one, Thrasio, why don't you talk about our conversations we had with Thrasio? Oh, and by the way, Thrasio was on the podcast as well. It was episode 59. Thrasio, this is who is going to give you a million dollars for your business. So episode 59, <laughs> if you want to learn more, but Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about that conversation we had with them? Sure. I, I thought we had a great conversation with them. Uh, and it was very clear that they understand the ins and outs of the of the business really, really well. My takeaway from it, though, was, you know, at the end of the day, like they they buy your business. And based on our discussions with them, it, it seemed like it might have been at a slightly lesser than, you know, market value or what we would have considered market value. But the the plus side of it, the benefit beneficial side of it is that it's it it seems like a very smooth and easy transaction because they're just buying your business. You're, you're basically talking to a buyer. The thing I wasn't too crazy about it though, was like that they, a lot of their upside was really on doing a, was it an, an earnout, right? Was where you saw a lot of the actual return for selling your business. And, uh, you know, it's while there's nothing particularly wrong with that, I mean, we're, we're very confident in our business doing well and, and performing well, especially under the, the guidance of or, uh, you know, under the control of a, of a larger um, aggregator like Thrasio, we, we just kind of wanted to cut ties with this business. We're, we're ready to start the next chapter. And, you know, having those dangling strings, I guess, from this business is not really what we had in mind. And I'll say that, you know, a lot of where a lot of our thinking for the entire exit of the business was really just going down the path of a traditional exit, traditional brokerage, where you're just selling to a buyer through a brokerage. So um, again, I, I think that this would have been, you know, a perfectly good 
path to go for a lot of people. We just, you know, the, the main thing that steered us away from it is kind of like the, the strings attached reasoning and us not really wanting to have a whole lot of, you know, strings attached with the sale of the business. Yeah. And, and when they do the, the earnout part, that's great. I mean, there, there's, there's that upside, which is pretty fantastic, but a big reason for selling the business is to mitigate our risk. And having a huge chunk of that tied to the performance that someone else has running our business, it, it, that's not not risky, right? Like, like we, uh, I, I don't want to be too reliant on someone else running the business well, and then that being a large chunk of of our return, right? So it it just didn't really fit well for us. One thing I did like about them though is that they did a uh, so they had that they had that upside, which is pretty awesome. They also have a really simple way of evaluating their your business. They look at your revenue or your 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 gross revenue, your your top line, right? Top total sales, and they just subtract out your landed cost, your Amazon fees, and then your uh, advertising fees, and then four percent for overhead. So it's a really simple model to figure out like what your profit or what your valuation is at that point. So that's like kind of a that's a big pro right there. Plus, there's no there's also no brokerage commission because they are the buyer. There's no brokerage, so that's uh yeah. There's a lot of a lot of great things. Also, they only do FBA. So if you're not an FBA business, you're doing any type of influencer anything or brick and mortar. They don't really do that, to my understanding. So uh, those are all things to consider with them. Okay, now we're gonna get into traditional brokerages. Why don't you tell us about Quiet Light, Mike? Sure. So uh, Quiet Light is very much a traditional brokerage as far as uh, I could tell from our discussions with them. And I, I believe our, or my, at least my first contact with them, I don't know if it was your first contact with them, was uh, at the Brand Accelerator Conference. Uh, was that 2019? Man, it's been a... Been yeah, a, that was September wow. 2019. That's Yeah, that's wild. I can't believe it was that That was long, uh, Scott Boker's <laughs> conference in, in Dallas. Yeah. And so that was, that was at least my, my first interaction with any kind of broker for an e-commerce business. And I thought they were phenomenal. It was, you know, great discussions with them. It was good learning how they do their general valuation of businesses, you know, what makes a business more valuable than another. You know, we, we did uh, have a initial conversation for this current exit, Quiet Light. And, you know, the, from our conversation with them, it, it seemed like they really knew what they were doing. But in general, it, it felt like they valued our business a little less than where we thought we were. And, you know, I, I think that's really what it came down to is, you know, I felt like we had to almost prove our valuation to them a little bit more than, than our discussions with, with other brokers that more, more so saw the value of our business immediately. And, and the other thing is, I, I feel like, I, and it, again, we're, we're, this is, again, just two guys talking to one representative from these brokerages, I'm sure that they're, you know, you really can't go wrong with any of them. They all have great reputations, but the, you know, the discussion we had with Quiet Light was very technical. And while I generally appreciate those types of discussions, me and you, we, we talk technical all day. And so it was almost like, I felt like we were just bringing in another person that was just part of our discussions. And it didn't really seem as much like we were talking to a brokerage if, if, if that makes any sense and so I, I for for the sake of selling and exiting a business i, I kind of was looking for you know someone that could represent us in a selling manner a little bit more versus you know the the nerdy talk that we that you and i have on a day-to-day -day basis so that was that was my impression of that I'm, again you know 
think that they're they're well known uh, brokerage in this space and that they have a lot to offer. But it, I, I just think it wasn't you know the best fit for us. Yeah. Also, they again that these are these are just small little pieces of observations, right? They didn't seem very automated. They just wanted our PNL, and then they kind of just did a lot of email back and forths and stuff. And it and it wasn't the process didn't seem quite as. Uh, refined i guess but but then again we, we didn't use them we don't know maybe their, their process is better or different than what our what we are perceiving so uh so we did not really pursue much with quiet light but we did a very 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 close second place brokerage here was website closers and so i can say with website closers they they actually gave us a higher multiple than others were giving us but they did they cheated a little bit because they we're including our inventory cost in that multiple. So it's a little bit of a kind of a hand wavy way of, of uh, getting that multiple. But overall, even including the inventory, they were giving us a really nice, uh, they were promising us a, a lot at least. And you know who knows what they would have actually delivered. And one thing that they were really big on, at least, at least uh, they, they do a lot of things. They can do basically any type of business sale. But one thing they specialize in quite a bit, at least what they're known for in the community is an SBA loan. SBA sale. SBA is the small business advantage or association, something like that. Administration, I think. Administration? Okay. I thought so. Yeah. It's the it's the government backed business loan thing. So it's kind of like if you got a home loan, it's like the FHA or Fannie Mae. It's like sort of a government backed government backed slash it's still a private bank doing it, but they specialize in that. And those loans are pretty cheap, but they are hard to get. You have to be, you have to have special terms. You have to be a U.S. based company. You have to show your profit has to be shown in a certain way. You have to have multiple years of profit. You have to show uh, increasing revenue year over year. You have to do that kind of stuff. And so there's a lot of little gotchas along the way, as well as a um, the SBA just taking longer. It's just it's not really a deal between two people. It's a deal between three people. One of them being a large bureaucracy. And so it just takes longer. And we, when we went through the evaluation, they told us we probably would not be SBA qualified because the way we, we did our taxes a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, so that kind of like deflated their advantage a little bit. But overall, we were really, really close to, to going with website closers. And, and um, I think I'm allowed to share this. Uh, Justin Dyson used website closers. And so he he's in a couple of episodes back and Justin Dyson, if you want to hear his story. So they're still very highly reputable in the community. We just ended up not going with them. Yeah, it really was an 11th hour decision for us. I mean, we were we were on the fence for a while there, but ultimately, uh, you know, knowing that we wouldn't really qualify for what we hear is their basically their bread and butter, their specialty with uh, being able to, you know, get SBA loans in the in the purchase. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of what steered us in another direction. But I, I can't say enough good things about them. I mean, their communication was phenomenal. Like any questions we had were immediately addressed. They were happy to hop on the phone to to work through things. Um, and I, I feel like we learned a ton from them just through those discussions. So but uh, ultimately, you know, and, and I, I also want to clarify just to just to make sure that it's very clear, they do work with cash buyers. And they they made that clear to us, we were very much, you know, understanding that. It's just, you know, we, I, I feel confident in saying that we would have gone with them if, had we been uh, SBA qualified. Um, but the fact that that kind of fell through um, kind of steered us in a different direction. So 
For sure. So, Mike, tell us, who do we decide to sign with? <laughs> so, so ultimately, uh, we, we signed with Empire Flippers. Wait, 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 wait. Drum roll, drum roll. <laughs> yeah, so, so ultimately, uh, we went with Empire Flippers. And so they, hey. they, they were neck and neck with website closers in our down select. But they are, from my understanding at least, uh, known in the community as having a very large pool of cash buyers. And they also emphasize that those cash buyers are pre-vetted, as in needing to show proof of funds before they can even see the deals. So that you know that builds quite a bit of confidence there. And you know, the Empire Flippers, uh, <laughs> Andrew, you're going to make fun of me here because I, I know I did a lot of uh, you know whining to you about how rough the process was and you know how many tasks they kept assigning us but you know in retrospect i'm i'm glad they did that because it helped helped us you know really get into the weeds with a lot of part of the businesses and so i'll, I'll elaborate on that a bit basically empire flippers their their whole process is incredibly automated it's it's a well-oiled machine if you will and you can tell that they've done this so many times and they've got it you know down to a science and so they do everything through a, an online dashboard where you know you can communicate with your your representatives and you can also uh, see all the tasks that are outstanding and basically your dashboard is a list of tasks and it's got guidance on how to do it um, they do a lot of their uh, tasks through Google sheets which uh, you and I were already you know using on a daily basis so it was good to you know it, it was very comfortable inputting data into uh, into their fields in those Google sheets. And so it, it was a, basically a series of tasks. I guess there's almost different phases of it where, you know, you get your initial set of tasks, you finally get them all done and you're cheering. And then you tell the, you tell your, uh, you know, your um, advisor or vetting advisor is what, what it was called. You're assigned a vetting advisor. That's kind of helping you walk through the process. You tell them you're done and they say, great, that looks good. All right. I've loaded your dashboard with the next set of tasks. And that's, you know, when you just close your laptop and, uh, and go to bed. <laughs> but, you know, I, I found the whole, Mike, my, my, I found the whole process very easy and simple. Okay. I just told you to do it. And uh, yeah. that was easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, and so the whole time I was kind of like, man, why, why doesn't this have to be done with the the other brokers? And, you know, in retrospect, I'm, I'm understanding now a little bit better now that we're towards the finish line. I can understand why Empire Flippers does that. And, you know, my interpretation of it is that they want they want to rebuild all the data on their side of it as a second source of verification, more or less. And so what I've heard is that, you know, the, the numbers that Empire Flippers puts out there in terms of for, for their listing are very well respected and buyers can come to the table being very confident in those numbers. And it makes sense because they go through this whole process of basically rebuilding your PLs. I mean, I recall from the get-go telling them or Empire Flippers, hey, we have, you know, very meticulous PLs that we can share with you guys. Can I just can I just hand those to you guys? And they're like, no, you know, unfortunately not. We have to we have to do things through our system. And at the time I was kind of moaning and groaning, like, oh, this is all done already. Why, why do we have to do this? And it took me a little while to understand that the reason why is because they, you know, have their own methods of calculating things and in order to make sure that they have an even playing field on their listings and to maintain that buyer confidence, they really do have to just rebuild everything from scratch. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's, you know, a, an excellent method of doing it. It it was just that the the whole process of getting through it was uh was a bit time consuming. But you know, when you're talking about 
um, exiting. You're talking big dollars. And so it was it, ultimately it was time well spent. And the, the process was uh, definitely, as I mentioned, uh, very impressive in, in their, in terms of automation and just, you know, you seeing that they're pulling data directly down from Amazon, all your sales figures and stuff like that are already pre-populated in there through, uh, through an API. And then, you know, you go in and you fill in anything that they can't automatically pull in relating to your business operations. Um, and just seeing the whole thing kind of churn and output data. I, I love that kind of stuff. I know you do too. And so it was very, uh, it was, it was very fun working with uh, a group of people that I would say work very much the same way that we do and that we build these types of sheets for our own business. And, you know, they take a certain set of inputs and they spit out stuff that is very meaningful to us that that's a hundred percent what empire flippers does. And so it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that is why we went with empire flippers was that basically that built rebuilt P and L thing. Also the reputation and their, their automation process. And now we, we did mention that we had our, accountant helped us with our PL. And so, so we did, you know, it's still important to have your own books, but to also have someone else come through and have their own methodology of, of doing books for you. And then, and then that kind of being like really close with how we did our own PL, but not quite exactly the same. So there's a few things that are a little bit off and kind of going through that, but it gives you high confidence when we do it one way and then this other person comes in as a third party who's not who's just who's brokering the deal but not necessarily in favor of you they're just helping the the deal go through when they come through and they basically kind of verify or or give their you know give a thumbs up on your books it makes me feel a lot more confident and especially what i really want is the buyer of the business to feel right. more confident in it so Absolutely. we are in the we are in the eve of listing. So we are one business day away. So the next uh, it's Friday right now. The next day is Monday, which is when we list. And so Mike, how how are you feeling right now? I'm I'm incredibly anxious right now because uh, we've got our <laughs> preliminary <laughs> we've gotten our preliminary evaluation from uh, Empire Flippers. We've had our final discussions with them this morning, and. We are quite literally right now waiting for the final valuation. I mean, it could come in literally right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've already we've already had a, a discussion on that this morning on where where we should roughly land. And obviously, that's just, you know, the, the broker's uh, valuation of the business. It's, you know, ultimately, it's going to come down to what a buyer is willing to pay for it. But it's it's exciting. I'm, I'm incredibly excited, but anxious at the same time, because, you know, this is a uh, this is a big deal. So, <laughs> Looking forward to uh, receiving the valuation and uh, truly crossing the finish line in terms of getting listed and then, you know, entering the new territory of uh, starting to field questions from from buyers and anyone that's trying to like poke holes in our numbers. But you know, I, I feel good knowing that we at least have the 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 seal of approval from Empire Flippers, knowing that the numbers that we're going to the market with have been vetted through them through their system that has been proven to be very legitimate. So feel good about the, you know, about the whole thing. <laughs> yep. Where's your mind at? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I'm excited. I, I just hit refresh on, on our email to see if the, if it came yeah. in yet. It hasn't, hasn't yet, but it should be any, any minute now, hopefully any hour. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to do this. We'll, we'll, we'll add the seven figure exit to the resume. Hopefully I think we will, you know, not done yet, but, uh, <laughs> and, but that, us going through the selling process, that is actually the next episode. So if you're if you're loving this series, 
I would love it if you shared it with someone who is also considering selling or is in the active state of getting their business ready to sell. Share this episode. We don't ask. All the stuff we do is all for free. And so we just ask that you share this episode with one other person. We want to get the word out so that we can kind of all learn and grow together with these FBA private label businesses. And tune in for our next episode when we talk about the selling process. That's it, guys. Yes, we are excited about this exit. Again, this episode was recorded, uh, what was it, nine, 10 months ago. So it's funny kind of like listening to myself back in (laughs) almost a year ago, thinking about this and getting ready for this. And now the next episode in the series is us actually talking about the proper, full, beautiful, amazing exit and how it went and some of the amazing things that happened and some of the less than amazing things that happened. So it's mostly good, but make sure to tune in and find out some of the things that were kind of some of the uh, best practices on what to do and what not to do when exiting your business. If you want to learn more about exiting your business, I would love to talk to you about this. I would love to get on a call and just chit chat about this all day. Let's have an Amazon conversation about doing that, about exiting. So if you want, please go to the website, zonconpodcast.com. Look at that. I even have a shirt that says it. (laughs) Zonconpodcast.com slash exit. Fill out the form there and I would love to chit chat with you. 